because it's been authority that has been solving these problems in the past. It's been governments, and they, they, they've done a great job, to be to, to be fair. It's almost as if uh, at this point in time, it, it might just be the uh, the geeks and the nerds and, you know, the coders and, you know, the analysts who actually try and figure out a way to um, prevent, you know, prevent hackers and yet maintain privacy. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to this episode of Vodcast uh, with uh, your hosts, uh, Will and Simon. And today we are uh, talking about uh, the scroll network. Uh, but before we get to that, let's uh, start off by reviewing the market. Uh, how do you think ma- the market is uh, looking, Simon? Yeah, hi, Will. Um, um, the market to me right now is showing bullish craziness mm. and clearly in the middle of a bear market, though. Like. Yeah. Dogecoin going up 100% in a week, basically because Elon Musk buys Twitter. <laughs> that, that's bull market craziness. So I think the lesson I'm learning is that even in bear markets, the market is entirely illogical at times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, we kind of thought we got the market got to the point where macro was driving it. And that was kind of true, especially on the downslope. The macro mm-hmm. environment, the interest rate rises, was putting huge pressure on all markets. So the correlation with the stock markets going down and crypto going down was very clear and evident to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the logical part. So the market was being logical then. Um, mm-hmm. But we know in bull markets, the market is not logical and it runs off hype and narrative. And so seeing Dogecoin kind of do that does start to put question marks of, you know, well, maybe, maybe the bottom in is in if <laughs> strange news items can drive craziness in the market. And we have seen a big pump of late, you know, in the last week, you know, Ethereum is up being up like 20%. Um, Bitcoin hasn't quite done that. And that's in reverse, inverse correlation, I guess, the stock market when, you know, Apple's had its, you know, bad um, earnings projections and it's it's gone down 10, 15%, whereas crypto market and Bitcoin, Ethereum in particular, didn't go down with it. So we're starting to see that breaking correlation in the markets, um, which is either... Yeah. It's, it's either a sign that, um, you know, maybe the bottom is in mm. or the correlation is going or maybe, you know, the market is starting to price in this whole perceived Fed pivot kind of thing. Mm. Maybe that's occurring. But what are your thoughts? Uh, no, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think you're right. I, I think it's really interesting that um, it's it's the uh, it's it's the outs that went up because uh, usually you, you, you know you, it's it's Bitcoin that first does uh, uh, its its thing and then the outs fall. So it's really interesting and weird that uh, like I said, Dogecoin went up. Um, but then also looking at the markets, uh, Bitcoin is uh, uh, bouncing around uh, twenty thousand, I think, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, but then uh, I, I I'm not sure whether we're We've seen the end of the bottom yet. Uh, most of the volume, if you look at the volume, uh, uh, most of the price has been trading at uh, roughly nineteen thousand uh, dollars since uh, July, which indicates that uh, I think that's what most people think that the fair price of Bitcoin is at right now. So um, I, I would expect us to just uh, bounce around that that section between twenty thousand, twenty one thousand dollars, and probably just uh, under nineteen thousand dollars, and then. Uh, um, and then, um, yeah, then let, I, I'm not. I'm not sure that we're at the end of the uh, of the barrier. I think. No, I agree. I'm not sure of that either. Yeah, but mm-hmm. here's my question to you: Like, who's left to sell 
like anybody who's been scared out of this market has already sold their Bitcoin, haven't they? And mm. So that's where I see it hard to see it going below the current prices, or mm. if it does, it'll be very short and shallow because anybody who wanted to sell and get out has already gotten out of the market now. Mm. So anybody who's still around, they're not going to sell their Bitcoin for 15,000, 13,000, 10,000. They're not going to do that. Mm. So who's going to sell at that price? Mm. And so yeah, if that, no one's willing to sell, therefore the price yeah. can't go down. Yeah, that, that, that does make a lot of sense. So it, it's probably, we'll, we'll, it will probably end up just trading sideways for a while until uh, until something happens, I guess, in the uh, macro space that decides, uh, that sends uh, Bitcoin back uh, on the way up. And and that's where we get the irrational buys. But uh, it's, I think it's, it, I think it's good to see that we've probably reached a floor and, and, and that's really, and that's really interesting. And that's great. Yeah, and I think it's, it just shows that we're in, 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 a, in an amazing accumulation phase right now, I guess. Um, most of the fear has gone out of the market. Look, there could still be a black swan event which pushes it lower, mm. but it'd have to be pretty, pretty pretty big to do that, and I think it'd be very short and shallow. Um, yeah, yeah, because we did see a few uh, black swans, like uh, uh, the whole uh, Luna fiasco. We've, we've seen a few uh, bridge hacks as well, and uh, surprisingly... Uh, we've held we've held the bottom so i mean that's 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 a really good sign as well yeah and i think the other thing i think the market hasn't necessarily started pricing into a degree the whole change from ethereum to proof of stake with mm. the, the issuance of ethereum at the moment now um and with you know the eip 1559 in the burn i don't mm. think people have really taken into account that we should have had i think it's like almost six hundred thousand more ethereum mm. supplied into the market by now but instead, we've only up around two and a half, three thousand Ethereum. That's mm. a huge change in supply of Ethereum, and maybe this recent, you know, bump in the price is the market starting to to notice that. That you know, when does the world wake up to Ethereum is in in, in a massive mm. supply shortage at the moment? Price should mm. start reflecting that. You would think. Mm, indeed, indeed. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. Actually, I think that's that's I think that's amazing because uh, one of the things that Ethereum used to get was that. Um, I mean, it's it's inflating to infinity, and and there's no stop to it. But here we are with Ethereum now being uh, potentially a deflationary currency. You know, that's amazing, and and like you said, a lot of people probably haven't uh, realized that. You know. Yeah. Um, and and who knows? I, I wonder. I, I remember back in 2017, there was always the uh, I forget what it was called, but it was that point where everyone thought that Ethereum might actually uh, take over Bitcoin. So the flipping. The flipping. That's it. That's it. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, you know that happens down the line. Uh, I think that'll be really interesting. It's 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 hard to imagine Ethereum not flipping and taking over the market cap of Bitcoin at some point in the future. A lot of people thought it was going to be the last bull market, but obviously it didn't. Mm. Uh, yeah, if if I put my money on it, I would say in the next bull market, Ethereum should flip Bitcoin. That's it. Um, and it's not because it's better than Bitcoin. It's just doing something very different than Bitcoin. Mm. And mm. therefore, it should have a higher market cap because it has far more utility than Bitcoin. And because it's doing its job, it's doing a great job at what it's mm. being. Um, mm. Ethereum is doing something else. And therefore, in many people's mind, my mind, it would be more valuable. Oh, yeah. And and uh, all of the projects that are building on top of it. Um, I, I remember I was looking at this project the other day and I was, uh, I was, I was critiquing it. So uh, there's Hedera Hashgraph. Uh, which 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 had an interesting uh, take on a uh, uh, blockchain in that it was uh, I guess you could call it a distributed ledger, but not really a blockchain. Um, and and when uh, Hadera came out, it was interesting because it was fast. Uh, this is especially when Ethereum and all these other chains were crawling. 
But then the mistake that they made was that they patented their technology. And um, uh, the, they actually came up, uh, the, the same founding team actually came up with a new project recently called uh, the Million Network. Uh, very interesting as well, very different take on uh, distributed ledgers. Uh, but then they, they did the same thing and they go, wow, we have this amazing technology and uh, we've totally patented it. But the thing is, I don't think anyone would want to build on that just precisely because it's it's owned and patented by somebody. And so that's the whole, so that's what makes Ethereum amazing in that um, it's totally open source. Uh, anybody can replicate it. You've got chains on top of it, uh, Polygon, you know, side chains, uh, layer tools as well. So there's all of these crazy things happening on top of Ethereum's uh, network, uh, and they all cooperate. They might not even be a layer two; they might just be a total side change. But then the bridges create all of this activity between the chains. So, so yeah, uh, to your point, there's so much going on in Ethereum that uh, I mean, the growth is inevitable, and now that and the gas expenditure is also inevitable, and uh, now with the uh, with, with the new standard implemented. It, it'll probably end up being deflationary. And, you know, that's a, that's the amazing thing about Ethereum. Yeah, yeah the, the network effects are undeniable. And um, mm. there's plenty of layer ones that have, you know, good potential, but they, they don't have that net, network effect. And can mm. they capture and run down Ethereum in the long run? Who knows? Maybe. Mm. Maybe mm. someone will come up with something better. Because I guess at the end of the day, Ethereum really was kind of the first of its kind, the first smart mm. contract blockchain. Mm. So that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be the winner because... Yeah. I mean, well, so far in blockchain technology, it's tend to show that the first two has mm. has been the winner because Bitcoin was the first and it is the winner as far as the store of value. Mm. And Ethereum, as a smart contract blockchain, is currently the winner. In other technologies, usually the first to the technology is not the mm. winner. It's usually the second one who can iterate it and learn better and do better from it. So who knows? But network effects are enormous. Network effects are very hard to run down. Mm. Um, so and, yeah, I, and, I'd be bidding on Ethereum. Oh, oh yeah, and and couple the network effects, but not only the network effects, but also the amount of money that's already just in the Ethereum mm. ecosystem. Moving up those billions would probably be a really difficult task to do. So uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, who knows? Uh, it's interesting. I was looking at a project called uh, Slam today, and I cannot remember exactly what the S and the L stands for. But the whole idea is about. Um, uh, unifying liquidity, so uh, it's it's. I really I, I wish I could remember the S and the L and the A. And so it's it's essentially a, an automated market maker, and what it does is it unifies liquidity across um, every chain. So it's almost like uh, like a almost like a blockchain on itself, and it sits separately from every other chain. And um, and the whole idea is uh, if you're an LP provider, what you do is uh, you don't go to Ethereum or Polygon or Solana or whatever. What you do is uh, you go over to this uh, 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 protocol and you deposit your liquidity there. And what this protocol does is it, um, it uh, appropriates it exactly where it's needed the most, uh, which is where uh, I suppose the trading is the highest. So it might be on, on a layer one on Ethereum, it might be a layer two, um, on a different chain. So it apportions the liquidity automatically and then um, it, it transfers the fees over to you, uh, yeah. the provider. And uh, if you're a trader, you get uh, all of this great liquidity on any chain, on any network that you want. 
So it's really cool seeing that, uh, you know, services like that coming out. That so, so it's, it's blockchain agnostic and doesn't really care and it'll move the liquidity to whichever blockchain mm -hmm. it sees will get the highest fees. Exactly. So it's yeah. it's a blockchain agnostic liquidity. It's kind of that, th that theory of the, the, the layer zero that people have been talking about because you've got the layer one blockchains and you've got these layer zeros which actually mm -hmm. are kind of blockchain technology, kind of not, and they... A, a kind of like a quasi bridge as well oh yeah exactly exactly so it's it's all it's about passage passing messages securely and properly between uh bridges um yeah is that, is that only evm compatible or is that going across to like solana uh i'm i'm not 100 percent sure so uh, actually the, the protocol isn't out yet uh it's just a white paper okay. that mm -hmm. delphi labs released so it doesn't even have uh it doesn't even have a website or um uh, 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 like a service running yet? It's it's uh, it's a proposal by Delphi yeah. Labs and it's called Slam. <laughs> Just kind of cool. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's kind of the um, I know the, the the holy grail at the moment of these kind of things is having that interoperability between the separate the, the mm -hmm. non Ethereum virtual machine mm -hmm. blockchains. You know, because you know you, you probably know this more than me. Maybe you could you could give more insight into it. But you know, as my understanding is, if going between Solana and Ethereum is hard. Whereas mm. obviously going between Ethereum and the other layer ones or the other Ethereum um, compatible ones is quite easy. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The, yeah. There's uh, there's definitely a difficulty to it, and uh, the the other difficulty comes. Um, so sending messages uh, actually seems to work fairly well uh, right now. And you know, there's like you mentioned, there's protocols like Layer Zero that are connecting our different bridges together. So that's EVM and uh, protocols like Solana. So that's that's amazing. But then the problem that we currently face right now that hasn't been solved yet is how to transfer tokens uh, securely uh, across across that network. So that's obviously still a problem. Um, there's all these. Well, that's because the, the risk there is that most of the hacks have been on these bridges, haven't they? Yeah, and and uh, the thing is, um, once once you get a bridge hack, uh, then it really it really uh, does a number of the ecosystem because. Um, you're obviously trying to account, uh, let's say you have uh, ETH on, on, on the Ethereum blockchain, and then you say you managed to transfer it to Solana. So let's say so you've got a wrapped version of ETH on Solana. Maybe you just call it ETH. It, it, it doesn't matter. So what happens if the bridge gets hacked and um, you, you lose all forms of accounting on all of the ETH that you're holding on Solana? You cannot guarantee that uh, the, the you know, let's say the 100 million dollars worth of ETH on Solana has uh, like a hundred billion dollars worth of ETH uh, counterpart on the original chain. So if the hack happens, it almost invalidates uh, the wrapped, uh, all of the wrapped uh, assets. So um, that's always a massive risk. Uh, so, you know, you know, pro tip, you, you probably don't want to be holding uh, any form of a wrapped asset on any bridge for too long, you know? So uh, they're great. Uh, to do trades and and so on and so forth, but you really don't want to hold it in case. Well, I think I think just to, to go into that though is that people may not know that they are effectively holding something on a bridge. But if you take Ethereum and you get it onto Solana and you have a wrapped version, as you say, of Ethereum on Solana, mm -hmm. you are taking that mm -hmm. risk because oh, yeah. mm -hmm. people don't necessarily you know use that bridge. They might use FTX and try and you know they can transfer FTX directly into the Solana network that way, and they don't realize mm -hmm. that they're actually taking on that wrapped version risk. Um, oh, yeah. So any any time you've got you know Bitcoin on Ethereum, mm. which is you know mm. the wrapped Bitcoin, the friend Bitcoin, there's plenty of options out there. You're, you're taking the same risk. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, it's, it's it's something that people need to be aware of when they are start using other collateral on other blockchains. Um, yep. And yeah, hopefully there's a solution out there in the future that makes it a little bit more safer. But right now, there's no doubt that uh, hacks happen the most on bridges. Mm -hmm. And if you are holding a wrapped version of a token on another blockchain, you are um, carrying that risk. Yep, probably want to be careful. <laughs> okay, well that's a fairly wide-ranging wrap of the market, mate. So we wanted to talk about Scroll Network today. So tell us what is Scroll Network and why do we need it? Oh yeah, so a uh, really interesting project. So uh, it's interesting because we're talking about bridges and uh, layer ones and layer twos. So obviously, layer twos, uh, the thing that's really interesting about them is that they're fast and they're cheap. So Ethereum's amazing. But then uh, the gas costs are obviously really prohibitive, especially once we get to the bear market and everybody wants to trade their NFTs. Uh, gas just becomes ridiculously expensive. So um, that's why a lot of these projects are moving to layer twos. And there's all of these uh, amazing um, uh, services and experiments that are, uh, that are happening. Uh, but then. Uh, Scroll is interesting in that what it tries to do is one, it is a layer two, um, and but two, it's also uh, uh, private, you know, and and that is an extremely attractive feature. And the whole thing about blockchains is that uh, they're amazing um, and and they're open, but that's also a massive problem because everybody can see what you're doing, um, and and and, um, and and yeah, that, that's a huge problem. You know, like we all we all want our privacy. Uh, no one can see how much I have in my bank account. No one even hasn't. No one even knows when I send uh, money to somebody else through my bank account. So why should they have that knowledge on the blockchain? I, I will caveat that though. Mm -hmm. Authorities yes. authorities can get information if they need to or want to. So that's the difference. Whereas blockchain, everyone can see it if they want to. Whereas current traditional systems, authorities can get that information if they want to. Oh yeah, that's that's a really good point uh, in terms of authorities. And um, I'd like to say, um, uh, should they have that ability? Uh, that's <laughs> another question. That's, that's another podcast. That's, that's a whole another point. Uh, you know, obviously in the seventies or the sixties when everything was uh, cash based, and, and before that, uh, a, a libertarian might say, you know, societies ran perfectly well back then uh, without any issues. Um, I mean, obviously, there's obviously uh, uh, problems. I mean, there's obviously having authorities uh, who can control when or how or what we're spending on or who can see what we're spending on. Um, now, if you live in a great place where you have uh, a benevolent uh, government, that's perfect. But then if you live in other regimes, uh, that might be an issue. Uh, having said that... Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something that the first world nations and the don't really think about because they don't have mm. too many issues with their government and you're mm. right so it's it's a very different thought process for people outside of the first world countries i guess oh, oh, oh yeah totally uh so so how's, um, how's scroll network i guess solving this problem for you then man? Oh, oh yeah so <laughs> that's it so uh, a scroll is really interesting in that um uh it's it's a layer two and so it's obviously fast and, and cheaper but then the other thing is that it's it's private so that's great um, and so there's other layer tools that are uh, that are uh, cheaper and private. For example, uh, uh, ZK Money. That's that's amazing. So the challenge that uh, Scroll seems to have solved is that um, it's not only masking transactions, but then it's also uh, complete uh, Turing complete. Uh, so it's it's fully Turing complete. Uh, so it's exactly like uh, an EVM 
on a layer two that is completely private. So that's really interesting. And um, how they do that is um, uh, really complicated. There's different ways to solve it. Uh, there's a secret network, for example, how they do that is by using specialized hardware. Um, uh, they, they use specialized hardware to be able to run uh, a tuning complete and private network. So I believe uh, a scroll network has found a different way to do it. And I really recommend looking at the paper. Uh, and, and I think the complexity is a little bit beyond the scope of this talk. Uh, having said that, it's a really interesting project to look at. So I guess the question when it comes to security is, you know, the, the big one in, in everyone's recent memory is Tornado Cash. So mm. can Scroll Network have the same issues mm. and could some government come out and say, that's banned, you can't use that? Oh, yeah, no, yeah, that's definitely an issue as well. So it's not really, um, uh, it's definitely a gray line. So uh, uh, Tornado Cash was one definite mixer. And and by the way, I, I don't think anybody supports uh, hackers. You know, if I have my money stolen or if my friend's money stolen, I, I do not want uh, hackers to use uh, Tornado Cash or similar services. So, um, uh, so scroll, is interesting in that it's it's a protocol, so it's not really mixing anything. It's just a protocol where anybody can build uh, anything on top of it. So, for example, Uniswap could build a whole DEX on top of that. Um, so, I, I don't think a hacker would exactly be able to um, get away with the money. So, for example, they might steal ETH and then they might move it to um, uh, say scroll another layer two, but since most of the ecosystems are still on layer one, uh, all of the bridges are on layer one, anything you buy or sell in Ethereum is on layer ones, they would have to come up. And I think that might be tricky for them. Uh, would, it, would it? Because wouldn't you, you'd obviously be able to send, let's get numbers in, you send you know, 20 ETH into the scroll network, mm -hmm. you, you leave it in there for a couple of months, and mm -hmm. then you bring out three Ethereum, and then you bring out four Ethereum to different addresses. Yeah, actually, that would work. Yeah, I, I think that would work. <laughs> actually, that would work. So, they're, they're, I mean, therefore, the risk I see in that is that the government saying anything that comes mm. out of the scroll network is, mm. yeah. is not, not allowed. Yeah, so 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 there's definitely, um, yeah, there's definitely a difficulty there. Um, maybe one solution would be to use um, sort of a, like ZK attestations. So in that, to get into the scroll network, you might need to have uh, to prove that you are, say, uh, uh, a Simon or Will or whatever, or, or which which would attest that um, which would attest that. I mean, so if if a hacker wanted to put a uh, million dollars worth of ETH into a scroll network or any other layer two. And then you say that they have to uh, sort of do some sort of formal zero knowledge KYC. I think you create you could create a kind of a in between service where the government does have a, a an ability to see the person doing the depositing onto the layer two, and once they have that person that person's ID, they could just go after them in real life. They don't have to uh, track uh, addresses. I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting topic, and I don't think I don't think we found all the solutions yet. But I think you're right mm -hmm. that. The security and the privacy is mm. incredibly important. And we, we touched on earlier that, you know, 
what wasn't that long ago that we were a cash society where we did have privacy of, of our money and people have a very short memory that you know we, we, we gave that information away very easily and very quickly mm. and without probably even really knowing it was occurring um mm. and i think yeah there is a something about a just a, a civil right to be able to have privacy of your money um and that the same size as we said none of us want people to use the new technology to get away with crime either oh, so yeah. there's a weird balance and we've got to find somewhere but i think at the end of the day what comes on top should it be individuals freedom rights mm. or suppression yeah. of individual freedom rights in order to get the few who are doing the wrong thing oh yeah exactly that's, that's and it's, an inter it's an interesting debate mm -hmm. and, and it's almost as if uh uh, whereas it's been authority that has been solving these problems in the past, it's been governments, and they, they've they've done a great job. To be to, to be fair, it's almost as if uh, at this point in time, it, it might just be the uh, the geeks and the nerds and you know the coders and you know the analysts who actually try and figure out a way to um, prevent you know prevent hackers and yet maintain privacy. You know, I love that. I love <laughs> that, mate. That's a great take on it. Oh. <laughs> Awesome. All right, mate. Well, let's wrap it up there. Thanks very much for your time today. I've had a great time and we'll catch you on the next one. Awesome. Until next time, Simon. Cheers, mate.